Mega Monster Dumb Man Episode 5 Skeleton Warrior. I am Chris from Mega Dumbcast. And I'm James from Monster Man. And we are here in the waning days of this podcast miniseries to discuss yet another fantasy monster to transplant into the trench coat horror genre. And I think we've got a real promising one today. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners about it, James? Absolutely. So these guys, uh, once again, they come from uh, Fiend Folio, uh, and they are skeleton warriors. And it, it kind of it's a little bit of a misleading title. Um, they certainly are warriors, and they certainly are skeletons. But there's a little bit more to them than that. I, this, just on a, a personal note, this must be one of the first fantasy RPG monsters I was ever like aware of, because there's an episode of the D&D cartoon that's all about mm-hmm. them. Um, and I saw it, th- there are three occasions in my young life that I saw the D&D cartoon, and it was the same episode every time. So, uh, why, I don't know. Um, when you took a look at the Skeleton Warrior, Chris, what was it that seemed promising to you? I wasn't sure what's, what flavor of Skeleton this was going to be on the basis of the name, but first of all, I thought that Skeleton was kind of in the sweet spot for like a bit of a stretch for trenchcoat horror but kind of in the same vein it's like mm-hmm. it's like doing a world of darkness game about gilmen it's like just that little step beyond the easy ones like vampires and werewolves um because skeletons are humanoid they're undead you know the skeleton warrior though as i looked into the details about it the fact that they are like under a curse and that they're sort of like subject to this fate that they did not choose and the fact that they have a direction to go is what was most promising to me. Yeah. There's this thing about skeleton warriors, the circlet. You're the, you're the monster expert here. Maybe you can explain the circlet thing, but I, I was a fan of it. So the deal is that the skeleton warriors are this, like, group of great warriors who were placed under a curse uh, by a powerful and evil demigod who trapped their souls. So each of their souls is trapped in this circlet, and they go around trying to regain the circlet that contains their soul but if someone else finds it then they can like take control of the skeleton warrior gaining access to a very powerful sort of henchman and so from a like a dungeoneering standpoint the the point of the skeleton warrior is that it's a very they're they're very tough opponents but they have this weakness which is that you can try and get the circlet away from whoever is controlling them right and they're actually they're a bit sympathetic it's not not really their fault and if you give them back their circlet then you know, they might just, like, uh, they might just uh, let you go or whatever, right? So I think the way that you bring them into a modern uh, setting is simply to um, is to focus on the curse element. Yeah, I I, uh, I was definitely in my element thinking about uh, the curse here. It is very, very trench coat horror, a very World of Darkness specifically. And in fact, I think it um, it's a version of this trope that actually solves some issues with other common trench coat horror monsters because one of the questions you often ask if you're playing a cursed like a monstrous character and things are really bad like it really sucks to be a vampire in this particular game you might ask like well you know what why don't i just like head over to the denny's get a grand slam and watch the sunrise and you know like just let me let me just be done the whole point of the skeleton warriors it can't do that mm-hmm. they need to get the circlet if they get the circlet they like restore their soul to themselves and they they crumble to dust so dying is the end game dying is the goal they're undead creatures that don't want to be undead anymore, and they're on this quest to get their soul back so they can move on. In the meantime, they are, you know, looking for this circlet, so they have a motive, they have a reason to, like, quest around. Mm-hmm. And then whoever has the circlet 
uh, once the skeleton warrior gets close, can control the skeleton warrior and put them to all kinds of, you know, evil uses, potentially. But also, I mean, but it, it, one of the great things about the quest is that it motivates them, and it does motivate them in a sympathetic way, but, like, not completely sympathetic. So if you run, like, an antique store, and you get that skeleton warrior circlet, it can detect the circlet. So whether you are trying to control it or not, it wants the circlet and is perfectly happy to boot in your door, stab you, and take the... I mean, these guys are great generals or whatever. They're pretty They're pretty callous about the cost of a life. So some people could actually be forced into controlling the warrior because it's the only way to stop them from killing them and taking the thing. Like, they're, 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 they're quite nicely balanced between being obvious, like, just victims and being dangerous opponents, right? They're they're initially dangerous, and then you have to kind of figure out what their deal is. Which... I, I like all of that, and I think it also fits the mortal background, because we're told these are basically kind of like fighter liches in a way. They all were, like, big high-level fighters in D&D terms. So it makes sense to me that if you're playing them in a trench coat horror uh, scenario, these would all be people who, like, led a life of violence and had a lot of martial power, and then suffered this curse after death. So you're playing a character who was, like, you know whether it was a, a soldier who'd seen a lot of shit or like a hitman or, you know, whatever your your preferred RPG trope for like the combat badass. Mm -hmm. You're one of those people who now is faced with this sort of like uh, out of context problem after a life of violence that you're still a badass, but now you're a skeleton badass and you got to go find this circlet so that you can rest, which, which lends itself, as you say, to this balance between being um, threatening and not necessarily nice, uh, but also being in a, in a sympathetic predicament. Yes, and like that's a very classic kind of trench coat horror urban gothic trope, right? Is the bit where you are sad about what a badass you are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I put hundreds of thousands to the sword, you know. But just like, yeah, buddy, I know. You killed a lot of people. You're real tough. No, no, you don't understand. I'm upset about it. Like, <laughs> this is my angsty brag. <laughs> yes, it's exactly an angsty brag. Like, oh, if only I didn't have to. If only I could unleash my true power. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and there's more than one of them, but there's only a limited number of them, which is the mm, yeah. the other thing, right? That there's some kind of like there's some, you know, group of skeleton warriors who were like an elite uh, in the service of this evil power. So if you need to bring in a second one, you don't automatically have the problem that like now you live in a world that's rife with you know undead killing machines. The other the other thing that they have this nice is that ordinary like mortal creatures that see them just run away in terror, which is a pretty like is interesting how like um you know fantasy creatures like these are obviously very fantasy creatures, but they come from horror roots, right? That undead creatures sort of originally horror monsters and they've kind of like kept these vestigial horror elements. Like this is mm -hmm. otherwise portrayed as a fantasy boss fight, but nonetheless it still has kind of these components to it yeah yeah and that's very convenient for our purposes because you don't need to maintain a masquerade in a fantasy game but as you've often touched on in in monster man it's like you ha kind of have to rely on the players understanding that they're now in a sort of horror adjacent story to resolve the issue that it's like well you know we deal with hideous shit that we got to kill with a sword all the time so why is this vampire any different yeah why am i why am i more frightened by these ghouls than i am by you know uh whatever kuotoa and it's not just because the paralyzing touch yeah like why am i why am i struggling with terror here even if i'm able to ultimately overcome it like you know at the end of dracula they do kind of like uh <laughs> do a little uh player character uh 
you know, SWAT team attack on Dracula mm-hmm. a little bit. But it's a struggle to get there because, you know, there is this sort of like miasma of horror. And that's hard to achieve in fantasy. In the same way, you really want that for trench coat horror. But the effect that you're going for depends upon the sense of the, you know, uncanny supernatural and a sense of like a descent from the familiar into, you know, the horrific. So it can't be too obvious. And so um, like fear and confusion and uncertainty and especially ignorance are so important to set that up. Mm-hmm. You know, if these things are a known quantity, then they start to infect our mundane world in a way that erodes that contrast. So the Skeleton Warrior is great because it's like, yeah, that that fear element, that's where the trench coat comes in, I feel, is that if, if you wear that trench coat and you pose as like a human at a distance, you can just about get by. Again, kind of like a Nosferatu in Vampire the Masquerade. If somebody sees that bony face, though, then the jig is up. They're going to run away in terror and probably like not remember or rationalize what they saw. So you are maintained as a continual eruption of supernatural horror into uh, an ostensibly mundane world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the same time, they kind of like, they replicate a lot of player character tropes from this kind of the game. But I think we're understanding these as kind of antagonist characters, right? That they're that this is more of a problem that the player characters are going to have to deal with than it is a player character, mainly because I don't think I would put... If you put into play a device that renders a player character totally subservient to someone, I feel like you're asking for trouble, right? Either you're using it yeah. and the player character becomes someone else's, you know, willless pawn, which is not fun, or you're not using it and the threat is empty. Yeah. Although, you know, we can... I think there's so much player character potential here. I'd be more inclined to mess with the circlet thing a little mm-hmm, bit mm. and instead have it be that the circlet gives a very strong influence maybe make it absolute that you can't harm the person with the circlet who's controlling you. Right, right. But they can't necessarily get you to do everything that they want you to do. It's like a it's an it's a struggle. So that it mean it, it continues to be a threat. But maybe it's even a growing influence. You know, maybe you yeah, can Yeah, yeah. This is an overtime kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like as once someone gets their hands on it, like as you get closer to them, as they continue to try and try and wear down your willpower. Mm-hmm. So that way you can kind of make a meal of it when you finally do get to the denouement, which is what this is going to be. Once the circle's in play, that's that's really the trick. You can only have so many like near misses where, you know, you, you, you don't want this to turn into Gilligan's Island where oh, yeah. every adventure is like, well, somebody new's got the circle. And then at the end, it's like, whoopsie daisy, dropped it down in the sewer. But But the good thing about that is that what it does is it motivates the skeleton warrior to interact with people who are within that kind of like occult underworld because they're the kind of people who might know where the circlet is right so they're you know they're they're a trench coated sword wielding badass that goes from town to town on a quest right like just Mm -hmm. i'm looking for an artifact looks like this and the shopkeeper turns pale like i don't want any trouble mister you know like i think there's i like, you can do that, but as you say, right, once the circlet actually comes into play, then the game either ends, which is fine, or it doesn't, which is probably anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, I think you could have, you know, maybe one tease or fake out or whatever, but generally speaking, the story is looking for the circlet, not finding the circlet, mm-hmm. which is which is fine, because the thing is, the power fantasy level here is very high, you know, if you look at these things, like, they're basically immune to mundane weapons, mm-hmm. uh, they're hard to affect with magic, they're combat badasses to a one. It's not even that they have cool swords, it's that any sword they hold becomes cool, which is, you know, as any role player knows, the better deal. You know, you don't need to worry about door locking behind you accidentally. It's like, oh shit, there goes the badass sword. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's, uh, so it's really cool. There, there's almost like a Highlander 
vibe here. Uh, yeah, they are. They're very Highlandery, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I really like it, and I like the fact that, as you said before, there are there are more than one of them, but not uh, not a ton, so that you can introduce the occasional other skeleton warrior who may be able to share information with you may act as like a rival like oh remember when we met you know decades ago or is a a sympathetic antagonist because they're opposed to you but you know that it's because someone else has their circlet so you can't you can't necessarily bring yourself to kill them yeah it's all really good and uh fits into like it it fits in a peculiar place in sort of a trench coat horror city in a role-playing context because i feel like this is sort of like the mummy spot from world of darkness where it's like there's vampire culture there's werewolf culture but mummies are just like a widely spread band of weirdos. Typically, a city's going to have, you know, one mummy in it. Yeah, and it's going to be pursuing some goal that is completely at an angle to what everybody else is doing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to see one skeleton warrior facing off against a horde of crab men. I think that's just about right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think, you know, I think there's enough kind of of that sort of, uh, you know, wandering gunslinger stuff in the the aesthetic already that we can get away with it right that you can have this sort of this one guy who is aligned with your interests but he's a bit again there's that loner player again right because he has a backstory and he has like he has context but he still gets to have all the aesthetic benefits of being a you know a lonely blade master on an eternal quest without having the like oh yeah i'm actually a rootless murderer who just goes from place to place destroying without fear of the consequences which is the the downside of having that character type yeah even if you are this you know total loner who wants to keep to to himself as soon as clues point to the circle at being in a given direction you're going to go there you want something uh you're not going to do as many role-playing game loners do and sort of eventually morph into Gru the Wanderer. Mm -hmm. You're too much of a combat badass for anyone to really make you do anything, uh, but you're also, like, too simple a character to really go anywhere for legitimate motivations. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of wander around until you get into a fight, yeah. And in particular, the nice thing about the Skeleton Warrior is that specifically what the Skeleton Warrior needs to get the circlet back is a team, right? That, that, That the best way to get the circlet from whatever evil person is trying to control you with it is to get somebody else to get it for you somebody you can trust so sort of impelled to form bonds with uh with player characters right like they're not just going to be the weirdo that sits in the back oh they can start out that way and then be like all right my comrades you know we have we've adventured together for so long that now i must tell you the secret behind my curse yeah yeah i love the skeleton warrior yeah perfect for this they're pretty good yeah, you take them out of that fantasy element and, as you say, make, give them like a gunslinger or like a noir detective vibe and they're just a bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This has been Mega Monster Dumb Man. Listen to me, Chris, on Mega Dumbcast at megadumbcast.podbean.com and get access to Fuck, Mary Slay, my patron's only series about Vampire the Masquerade, at patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Listen to James on his D&D monster podcast, Monster Man, at monsterman.libson.com and support him at patreon.com slash monsterman for access to his patron deities podcast series among other rewards this episode's music used under creative commons license is unto death by prescription pills whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash prescription pills thanks for listening <laughs>